And as always, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising and the beautiful game network, BGN. You can go to their websites to see more of their content at firebirdrising.coreair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, or at bgn.fm. And let's get to the show. Okay, and welcome to episode 12 of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Matt Trainer and Jeff Went. You guys want to say hi? Hello, everybody. Finally hey, got everybody. Crew back together. We may be separated, but hey, we're all Virtually online together, together. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been a while with everything going on the last month, but we are all here at the same time. And we've got ourselves a great game to talk about. Uh, so Rising goes on the road last night to Carson, and they play at the StubHub Center Track Stadium. And uh, Jeff, do you want to take us through how it went from start to finish? Sure, I'll take us through uh, this uh, wonderful game against the LA Galaxy 2. Uh, starting back out in a 4-2-3-1 again, I think the interesting, obviously everybody saw the interesting changes for this match. First of all, Jordan Gibbons gets the start on the back right uh, for Cody Wakasa. And then we see uh, Shawnee Avila in the middle of the park in the number 10 role. And we find Omar Bravo on the bench, which was quite interesting to see for the first time this year. Um, I don't think it's anything against Bravo, but I, I think we had talked in previous weeks about how maybe this was a time for, for, for him to get a break and to see how things would go. And I think, you know, we got a good effort out of out of Sean Avila. Now, of course, obviously the question becomes how bad er, Eric, Eric Avila. Avila, I'm sorry. You know, how did, uh, you know, how is his injury status going forward? Is it is it serious? Is it not serious? Um, I don't think Wednesday's game will be a tell as to, you know, where he's at. But, you know, we'll see from there. So, <coughs> excuse me. So we'll get into the beginning of the match. Um, one of the early... Uh, glaring disparities obviously Jordan Gibbons tries to to make a nice play tries to force the offside trap in the third minute but that attempt at the trap fails Lasseter throws a ball across the face of the goal fortunately no harm was done at that point um, well it was it was Cohen making a brilliant save there I mean he was hung out to dry by the defense but again you see that Cohen is willing to leave his six yard box get out there put some pressure on the shooter and he did he did put enough pressure on Jack McBean where he kind of had to uh force a low shot and Cohen got his feet down to deny it it's a great save it kind of I don't know if anyone saw the FA Cup yesterday with Arsenal it kind of was eerily similar to how that first goal was scored just a weird ball and everyone's like is that offsides I guess it's not offsides (laughs) but somehow Cohen makes the great save and then seconds later we get a great yeah we do Johnson beats LA's version of the trap gets a great shot on goal. Clement Diop comes up with a great save right there. Uh, come back in the 11th minute, a great double chance by Rising. Johnson gets a shot off, saved by Diop, and then Avila hits one and gets right off the crossbar. I mean, 
I thought Avila had a had a wonderful strike on that ball. Just unfortunate, found the crossbar. And and this is um, you mentioned earlier that Matt Watson had a much better game, much more aggressive. I really need to sing Matt Watson's praises here because uh, okay, the first shot is a pretty song, strong one. Johnson forces Diop to parry it to his left, and then Watson was behind the Los Dos defender, but he got around him, keeps the ball on the touchline, and then he's the one that gave that perfect pass to Avila. He had to do a lot just to create that opportunity, and most players in that situation would have just let the ball run out for a goal kick. But he kept that play alive and almost gave us a goal. I mean, it was the first of several instances where Watson got more involved in the attack than we've seen. Great play by him. And unfortunately, it doesn't put us in the lead. No, it does not, because two minutes later, L.A. takes the ball down the left-hand side, gets past uh, Victor Vasquez, throws the ball into Ari Lasseter, who's sitting in right by the six, uh, roofs it over the top of Cohen. That goal was eerily similar to the goal they gave up last week to San Antonio, just in the fact that a lot of the defenders were doing a lot of ball watching and you know there were there were two defenders around Lassiter when he when he uh, let the shot go and it just seemed like again we were watching the ball and not watching Lassiter to come in when we could have been there and and stymied that attempt but unfortunately uh Lassiter as good as he is found his way you know through the defenders yeah and, and Josh I mean, you want to talk about similarities. You want to talk about similarities. This is a guy on the right wing. This time it's Ethan Zubak, who scored against us in our first match. You knew going in he's one of the two or three players to watch. And again, he just easily gets by Victor Vasquez, who, you know, he's put in some good shifts this season. But I'm not going to lie, this first half might have been the worst half of the season. It wasn't just this play. There were several other times where he got magged by defenders on that on that. Uh, left wing and really did not cover himself in glory a couple bad passes anyways on this play Zubak just abuses him gets almost to the edge of the box and like you were saying just slides it in for Lassiter and again you can't really fault Cohen here there's not much of a chance when a guy is almost at the six yard box just tapping it in so we get to the 22nd minute and can we all say something together here we need to find somebody who can free kick. <laughs> how many how many times did Chris Cortez sky the ball last night over a wall? <laughs> the first of the first of, if I remember correct, three that he skied last night in the twenty second. Um, just an. Utter... I mean, I hear the, uh, the Cardinals could use a kicker. Maybe Cortez <laughs> should give them a call. <laughs> Because he was putting it way over the crossbar every single time last night. Oh, good. Um, you know, maybe if you're on an NFL field, that works, but it does not work when you're trying to put the ball in a net. Um, really rough to see that, and it was kind of a continuation of what we saw from Bravo a couple times earlier in the season. So, absolutely correct. And it really stinks now with Rooney being gone, but we need to find someone for that role. Yeah. So we get into the 26th minute. Uh, Gibbons has a decent play, throws it across to Johnson. Johnson gets a weak header on goal to, you know, right into Diop. You know, not much that that Johnson could really do with it. 
But then we get to the 32nd minute, and one of the best goals we've seen all year from Phoenix Rising. Can't talk about the passing that that we saw on this play. Starts with starts with Sean Wright Phillips. He gets the ball to Avila, who gets it to Johnson, who Johnson gets it back to the feet of Avila, and just a nice quick tap one-two into the net. It was one of the more beautiful plays I think we've seen all year long from Rising. Definitely something you would not have seen in the early weeks. Uh, the fact that they were so cohesive on that attack, and this is something I noticed when I was there all game long, but especially in the first half. Even before the ball got to SWP, it was a long ball from the back that got the attack started. And both teams had a lot of success, especially in that first half, playing long balls. I don't know if it's because both defenses were ill-equipped to deal with it, but the long ball gets the attack started, and someone got the ball to Sean Wright Phillips. And then from there, the rest is history. Great passing really underrated ball into the box from Jason Johnson and Avila gets his account opened with rising <coughs> so we move into the latter stages of the first half uh, Cortez had a good shot on goal from distance in the 38th uh, in the 42nd uh, Galaxy's uh, Turley had a, had a great cross for Lassiter but Cohen made a nice grab on that play then we had the injury to Gibbons uh, right at the end of the first half. Uh, it appeared on, on screen. It looked like it might have been maybe a hamstring because he was grabbing at the back of his leg. Uh, never got full confirmation on on what the injury was. But, you know, played out 1-1 at the half. Uh, Matt, what did, you know, what did you see throughout that first half? Yeah, I mean, the one thing that, uh, that I really took away from that and is uh, Jason Johnson. I mean, he was mentioned in just about every big play of the first half. Um, he's making his presence known. He's creating opportunities. Um, you know, the combination of Sean Wright Phillips, Johnson, and uh, Villa, I think, is a good one. They have a good uh, cohesive connection, you know, at least appeared to be so yesterday. Um, but, yeah, you know, that was my positive there is Jason Johnson. Uh, I mean, everybody played pretty well, but uh, I like watching him the past few weeks, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Johnson, I think that might have been his most active half of the season because really from the opening whistle to the 45th minute, he was always part of the attack, whether it was like fourth minute getting a great shot on goal, uh, being a part of that goal that we did score, a couple other long shots, and even just... Uh, nice plays on the ball to get past a couple defenders. Um, you know, I was up in the booth with the Los Dos announcers, and they immediately noticed, you know, his strength and physicality work to his advantage. Um, and the Los Dos defense had a tough time dealing with that. If he can channel that kind of energy all season, it could be really nice for us. Yeah, I agree. So we get into the second half. Uh, we start with a free kick that went 20 yards over the top again <laughs> from Chris Cortez <laughs> and then Watson on Watson made his presence known in the offensive half there uh, in the 49th getting a pretty good shot off on goal but unfortunately it was blocked right in front by the LA Galaxy defense um, then in the 55th Johnson kind of lurked uh, on a cross 
that just didn't quite get to him. He came into Diop and he made it made a nice save. And then uh, in the 59th, there was a nice one too with Watson, who tried to get a shot off, but it got it got tipped for a corner. Then we get to the to what obviously is the play of the game in Eric Avila in the 60th minute creating that that penalty chance. Yeah, and it's just a really nice individual effort. Uh, it took maybe 15, 20 seconds to develop because he started almost 25 yards away from goal. He was outside of the box, but just uh, patiently got past his first defender. And then the second defender uh, on the left wing was really going for the ball, but he was able to work his way into the box, kind of got past one shove. And then the second time he, he extended his arm a little bit. So then Avila's going to go to ground and I mean I know one or two people might have said it was soft but you can't extend your arm in the box we've had those kinds of penalties called against us kind of nice to be on the receiving end this time and so up goes Jason Johnson Johnson steps up Clement Diop actually guessed right and did get a piece of the ball unfortunately didn't get enough of it gets into the uh Gets into the left-hand side there, and it's a 2-1 lead for Phoenix Rising. And now now Phoenix uh, is going to start defending, you know, as, as as well as they can. Um, Avila gets injured uh, seven minutes after, after uh, creating the penalty. Um, hopefully he'll be okay, but A.J. Gray came on for, for him. And uh, I thought he played okay in, in his minutes uh, where he did play. I he mean, was really, uh, especially in the last 10 minutes, there were a couple stretches we were able to get some possession, and A.J. Gray was a huge part of that. Um, just getting the ball, holding it pretty well, uh, making passes, getting it to the corners. Um, he was able to salt away some crucial minutes when right before that it looked like Los Dos was knocking on our doorstep. Um Going back to the penalty, it's hard to think of someone more deserving than Jason Johnson to get the goal, considering all he did for the squad last night. Um, it wasn't the prettiest PK, though, but it, it snuck in. Thank goodness. <laughs> Doesn't need to be pretty just as long as it finds the back of the net. <laughs> yeah. So after the Avila injury, uh, Lasser had a nice blast in the 69th right into the hands of Cohen. Cohen had no problems with that. Then it was nice to see a quick turnaround on that, and Sean Wright Phillips gets a shot from distance um, that Clement Diop makes a, makes a nice save on. But just nice to see that quick transition game that, that we hadn't seen in the last couple of weeks because of Regi and Rooney being out of the lineup. But nice to see that little that quick turnaround that we hadn't seen in the last couple of weeks. <coughs> then uh, in the 75th, uh, Jack McBean gets a shot on net just wide off of a free kick. Um, yeah, it actually got deflected wide. Yeah, and then otherwise, who knows? Yeah, and then uh, one last gasp effort in the 89th. Uh, you know, then the rising defense held on and takes us to a 2-1 win on the road, first road win of the season. I'm sure the boys are glad to get that under their belts. Uh, huge huge win to get started in this nice little stretch of of you have three matches here in the next 10 11 days so you know i think it's a good a nice good start for this 
Yeah, uh, Matt, what are your takeaways from this match? I mean, huge road win, obviously, but yeah, what else comes to mind? Um, you know, like I said earlier, Jason Johnson, I think he's really stepped up the last, you know, last two matches. Um, so I'd like to see him continue to be in the starting lineup going forward. Um, you know, statistically, looking at, like, the you know, their stats, I mean, they only had 44% possession, but... Uh, it seemed like the the midfield maybe held on to the ball a little bit better than they have in the past few weeks, um, so that's good to, you know, giving up less interceptions. Um, yeah, it just it just seems like that's starting to come together. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of this formation that they they play last week and this week. Uh, that seems to be working pretty good. Um, Sean Wright Phillips looking good. Avila is looking really good. Um, so. This is a good three points to pick up. Uh, it's really tight in the tables right now. Um, you know, I think we were talking. What is it between third place and or third place and twelfth or thirteenth is five 13th. five point difference. You know, so uh, very critical right now. Um, but yeah, so that, those were my takeaways from the match. Yeah, I think another one for me too is, uh, you know, Avila finally gets a spot in the lineup and keep that man in. You know, if he's the guy that has to replace Bravo, so be it. Because the attack looked so much smoother with him in there. For whatever reason, he was finding himself in the right places at the right time. Not just on the goal, but also working some great balls with uh, Sean Wright Phillips and Jason Johnson and Matt Watson as well. Uh, so let's really hope that that injury is not too serious and we can see Eric Avila back on the pitch as soon as possible. Um, but it's a huge win. I don't know if there's anything else I can say. Um, so let's. What did you have to say, Jeff? So, you know, one of the other things we talked about too is I think this was one of the better games, uh, better wins that we've had. And not only that, but our holding midfielders actually not only held their position, but also advanced forward. And, and you know, to see Watson get a couple shots off on goal was nice to see. To see Miguel Tim get a lot of, of good aggressive play uh, starting balls you know up into the offensive third you know I think this was one of the better games for our holding midfielders we we haven't seen a whole lot of that throughout the season but I think if they continue to, to hold this high line that that they played last night you know seeing these guys push forward and be more involved in the offensive play that we hadn't seen in the earlier part of the year may turn out to be a, a blessing in disguise for us yeah and actually great observations because you reminded me of something i forgot honestly our attack looked more dangerous than the low dose attack even if they had more possession if you look at the shots and shots on target we had double the shots double the shots on target and just in general i mean especially in the second half they were playing some long balls trying to thread some balls through but our defenders tended to be in the right place at the right time in the second half especially and a really great performance from ramage i can count at least five to ten times where he was clearing a ball away with a crucial kick or a big header um but really our attack looked more dangerous than theirs that was something that was very refreshing yes it was yes it was yeah no that's a good point about them being you know maybe a little bit more efficient with the um, with the ball um one thing i did want to kind of talk about real quick and see what your guys' thoughts about it were um the last few minutes were you guys getting a little nervous there i mean it seemed like los dos kept trying to make a run and 
maybe just you know we've had a few experiences of giving up the game or giving up a you know a nice lead at the last few minutes and I kind of felt like that was going to happen and I mean they held on um, but I'm just glad there was wasn't four minutes of stoppage time last night because who knows you know if they could have continued know, that that hold I was more concerned in the late 60s and early 70th minutes when it really looked like Los Dos was starting to get a foothold they were starting to get possession and really uh, pressure us significantly but it seemed like rising um, we got more possession and kind of responded in most of the 80th minutes and that was huge it just kind of settled things down allowed the defense to refresh itself don't get me wrong when Zanga hits that shot in the 89th I'm thinking oh gosh that's an equalizer but it went right and other than that you know even though Los Dos had a decent amount of possession the defense was really able to clear a lot of those balls and I didn't feel too worried other than that one moment um, in the last few minutes you know and I, and I think too your comment earlier about uh, Ramage clearing a lot of balls out I think Ramage really took control of that back line last night right there at the end I think that may have made the difference in in Phoenix Rising keeping the, those three points and and really propelling them forward as, as we move forward you know you're not going to get any argument from me on that one <laughs> Ramage was our best defender by a pretty wide margin and very crucial to our win um, so I was able to get some audio as I mentioned on Twitter last night with Coach Chance and this is about two minutes of audio and he talks about Eric Avila's impact about the defense getting stronger in the second half. And then, as mentioned before, some very interesting stuff about Patrice Carterone, our new head coach. So I'll play that right now. Kind of going along that, so Avila gets his first goal in a USL match for Rising and then wins the PK. How big of an impact do you think he's going to make this season? Well, what's fantastic is he's he and Sean Wright are so good together, you know, and uh, Avi went out wide and Sean came inside and vice versa, so they're both really good on the ball. They're both very dynamic and can beat players 1v1, and it just adds, you know, unfortunately we lost Rigi, um, but Avi has stepped in and done a really good job for us there. Also, the defense really looked like it turned around in the second half. Did you give them any encouraging words at halftime? Yeah, the biggest problem was we just weren't organized. You know, you got to give credit to, to Galaxy. They were uh, they were really pushing high. They kind of flooded on uh, what was was our left side, uh, and we were struggling to figure it out. And I talked to the boys in the central midfield about how to get out and help. You know, Miguel and Matt Watson were, were just fantastic on the change. So it meant a lot to me, and, and it does continues as I make suggestions. They do it, and uh, that's that's why these guys are pros, you know, and uh, the trust factor is there, and uh, it, it just shows a sign that the, the guys, they, they know how to figure out the problems and fix them. And last question, have you gotten the chance to meet Patrice Carter on yet, and if so, how was that? Yeah, no, we spent uh, we spent almost a whole day together, went to dinner, talked a lot about tactics. He's a he's a brilliant mind, you know, he's, I'm really excited to work with him. He's got, uh, he's coached at some of the highest levels, he played at the highest level in France, uh, and 
and you know being with a French coach is going to be something new for me uh, but I know I'm going to learn and, and as a matter of fact uh, Patrice today he sent us a message a recorded message to me and I played in the locker room before the game so I told the guys that uh, he's he's watching back home and uh, at 3.30 in the morning in, in Paris and he'll be, should be here uh, hopefully in, in a few days so uh, I, I like I really like talking with him a lot I can't wait to work with him alright thank you and good luck in the hey, thanks a lot I really yeah. appreciate it Okay, so very interesting audio. What are your guys' thoughts on that uh, exclusive breaking news from Rising as One? No, it's awesome to see um, CMRD being involved and um, you know sending a message to the team and being up uh, able to watch us match that early in the morning too. You know. Yeah, I'm glad to, glad to see that he's really involved. You know, right off the bat. I mean. You know, we understand that he's got to finish his obligations with his with his current club in Saudi Arabia, and and has to deal with all of that. But still, to to have the time and to have the energy and to have the effort to send them a message, to be paying attention to a match like this, you know, I'm sure he'll have some words of encouragement to send to the guys this week as they prepare for for the Open Cup match. You know, um, but you know, I I think. We've got a good coach on our hands now, Patrice Carteron. I think, you know, we're we're gonna have a great defensive-minded coach that's gonna get these boys, you know, righted and get that get that defensive back line, you know, where it needs to be. I I, I can't wait to to see what he brings, you know, when we see him in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and another thing that was kind of very refreshing because there's so much mystery about this this guy from France and he's been in Africa and now he's in Saudi Arabia you know what's he like is he talking to the staff what's going on very refreshing to hear that him and Rick Shantz were able to talk for almost a day they were able to go for dinner together they were able to talk tactics and again like you guys have echoed to see him getting involved weeks before his active duty starts just goes to show that he's a guy that pays attention to detail and I think we will really appreciate that as the season progresses. But just, it's very calming because you don't know what to expect. And then to hear it from the boss man himself that, hey, our new boss man, he's on the ball. And we've already communicated and we're working together. We're seeing eye to eye. That's really nice to hear. That it is. Yeah, it should help make that uh, transition nice and smooth and, you know, get pre-aligned before he starts taking taking that role any any thoughts on uh what he was saying about avila or the defense i thought i thought avila, i thought it? i thought avila played a, you know he played a strong game and and i think like we've you know like we've said earlier i think his his introduction into the lineup and his introduction, you know, into that possible number ten role, I think, is is great. I mean, we weren't sure what we were going to get from him when when he signed a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we're finding out, you know, we're finding out little things that that you know, Ariola's working his way back from from a little bit of an injury. So you know, when he got his minutes in the Open Cup, that was good to see. He was talking about you know how he was progressing slowly there um you know i don't know if avila had been had been working out or had been you know 
staying in in preseason or, or even any sort of season form but you know obviously it huge for him to come onto the pitch to be able to take on that role and just run with it I think I think you know hopefully if that injury is is nothing more than just something slight that that he works through over a week you know I think getting him back in the lineup it'll be great to see it's worth mentioning too that Avila has MLS experience he's 30 years old so still pretty close to the prime of his career but he's played MLS for FC Dallas Toronto FC and Chivas USA and most recently he was in Tampa with the Rowdies so I mean this is a guy who's put in shifts at high levels and knows what it takes a real professional so to see him come in I think he also played against the Fuego and scored so making an immediate impact he's one of those guys that's going to come in and help us win right now yep really nice to see yep yeah and you, you guys know that i'm a uh, fan of bravo so i was a little disappointed to see him on the bench but i definitely understand why i mean he hasn't hasn't really performed to the level that uh everybody had hoped so far and uh, so it was nice to give uh via maybe a chance and see what he has and uh pretty impressed with with that and hope to see you know hopefully his injury wasn't too severe and he's back on the pitch soon you know well let's let's talk about bravo for a second um do you think that he gets maybe more playing time in the open cup against san francisco I, this wednesday i think um yeah probably and especially if uh via guys you know maybe some pulled a hamstring or something like that you know give him a give him a day a few days to rest and have him recharge for OKC on the sixth. Yeah, I totally agree. There. I totally agree with you there, Matt. I mean, and, and maybe this, you know, maybe this was a game also where Bravo just kind of needed to see, <coughs> excuse me, see, you know, where things are at and where he needs to be position wise. You know, maybe this is an opportunity for Bravo to realize, okay, I know I'm not the man I used to be. And I know I can help this team in certain ways. Let me see from the bench what I'm not seeing when I'm out on the field. And maybe he takes that opportunity Wednesday in the Open Cup and and puts it to good use as, you know, when they play Sac- uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, I hope to see him back in the so Lions let's, soon, um... whether it's, uh, you know, um, for the – the cup or you know maybe in the next season match maybe he gets just a little bit of playing time they split it with Avia and, and Bravo or maybe make room for both of them on there you know yep well now that we're getting talking about the match against San Francisco a little bit uh, maybe now is a decent time to transition to the match so if anyone doesn't already know it will be Wednesday the 31st at 7:30 p.m. it's going to be a home match for Phoenix Rising. Um, really nice to see our first home Open Cup match at the new stadium. So we'll see what kind of a crowd it is. And, I mean, the Deltas look like a team that's middle of the pack in an ASL. I'm thinking this is going to be a pretty close match. Um, I was looking at their stats just really quickly this morning. They have three wins, four draws, and two losses. Uh, a lot of their games have been lower scoring, kind of one nils, one ones. So it looks like they're a team that can uh, shut some teams down on defense. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you guys have anything to add there, but 
this feels like a game where the home support's going to matter a lot. It might come down to a mo moment of magic. Yeah, I think uh, I agree there. It's going to be a close match. I think uh, Phoenix will be able to you know, squeeze by, but uh, it'll be close. Yeah, I think I agree with this being a, you know, this will be the interesting as far as fan-wise goes, just because this is the first midweek match they've had. Granted, now this is the, you know, this is kind of like the first match they've had post-school year, I guess you could call it, you know, with, with a lot of the kids being in classes and stuff. So, I mean, you know, Rising has, has lowered the cost on tickets, so it makes it more a little bit more fan-friendly for the fans to come out and see this match. You know, I, I think they should get a good crowd out of this. You know, and and I agree with you, Matt. I think the I think the home support will make a huge difference. You know, in this match, you know, coming off of a, you know, a tough win, you know, three days out, you know, you're you're playing three days after a, a hard-fought win on the road against one of your heated rivals. You know, I think that little extra bit of fan support might make the difference in in this match. Yeah, and I'm I'm just gonna maybe give. A couple of players to keep your eyes on. Um, one guy that was recently cited in, in an ASL article, Emerging Players to Watch, Kenny Tejis. Uh, he's actually a Dutch guy. He played on Go Ahead Eagles in the Eredivisie pretty recently, and now he's playing fullback for the Deltas. Um, through four weeks, he led the team in duels, duels won, tackles, and was near the top in clearances. Um, looks like he is a wing back and gets up the field some. Uh, the San Francisco Deltas have also had a pretty solid defense, so he might be a crucial guy to watch. Uh, I would assume that they're going to be playing a first-team lineup because the winner of this match gets the chance to go to San Jose and play the Earthquakes. So I know that's a huge opportunity for both teams. Yeah, I mean, the last time that... Uh... Phoenix Rising slash Arizona United uh, faced an MLS club in uh, uh, Open Cup play was the, you know the first year of existence uh, they they beat uh, OKC Energy to get to that round um, to play the LA Galaxy and and it was, of course is if a lot of Arizona soccer fans remember you know holding that one nothing lead at the halftime against against LA Galaxy only to come up a little bit short in the second half, uh, giving up the two quick goals and, and losing that match 2-1. to one. So obviously the goal is once again to get to that get to that fourth round and get to that MLS game. And then uh, another guy to look for on the attack for the Deltas, if they are playing a first-team lineup, would be Tommy Heinemann. Uh, they are not the most prolific team as far as scoring. Um, they have a I believe only scored seven goals in USL play thus well not seven but not too many goals in USL play thus far he is their leading scorer um, 30 years old he's a striker um, and he's he's had some pretty decent experience before he's played for Columbus crew for a little bit he's played uh, for Vancouver Whitecaps for a little bit and he's played for the Tampa Bay Rowdies and the Ottawa Fury so a guy that has some pretty good experience at the high levels. So he might be a guy, if they're playing a first squad, to keep an eye on. But I think a lot of it's just going to come down to the game itself. Um, 
kind of an unknown team, really, at this point. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you there. I think it'll be interesting, you know, interesting to see the lineup that Rick Schantz puts out there, and uh, you know, we'll see what kind of uh, what kind of result we can get out of this match on Wednesday. I know they're, you know, it's not always as huge a focus as as is league play, but I mean, when you've got the prospects of facing an MLS team hanging out there in front of you. This may be one of those where you may want to put your best team forward to get to that next round. So it'll be interesting to see the lineup that Chance puts out there. And just a reminder to the fans, there will be a live stream of the match. Uh, U.S. Soccer owns the rights to the match. So obviously the link to that match won't get sent out until right before game time. So you know, be watching on all the social media channels uh, for for that link to be able to see the match if you're not able to attend the match in person. And I'm sure that uh, Firebird Rising on Twitter and Rising as One will retweet that link once we once we see it. Yeah. I assume that Phoenix Rising's Twitter would uh, give all the details before the game starts. That is that is correct. So. All right, so let's transition into well. With all that being, let's transition into uh, this week in the in the league and some some uh, results, and we'll talk about some of these games. Uh, Wednesday, some you know some interesting results: Toronto, Richmond, zero zero draw; Harrisburg and Pittsburgh, zero zero draw. Uh, Rochester got a one nothing win over over Tampa Bay. Uh, Oklahoma City gets a 2-1 win over the Timbers, which, of course, seems like everybody's beating the Timbers nowadays. And then uh, here, here's the interesting one I think we can all talk about. Reno hangs four on Tulsa at home for its second straight shutout at home. Uh, third straight overall. Third straight overall. Uh, Oakford, Mafeka, Dane Kelly... Hoppenot with the goal scorers for uh, Reno, and uh, Matt Bersano gets his his second straight clean sheet uh, for for Reno. I mean, interesting how they've turned it around ever since the win here against uh, Phoenix Rising. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that went from. I mean, they've always had the ability to score goals, but early in the season they were uh, conceding like crazy. And all of a sudden, they look like 2009 Barcelona out there, just pouring goals in, and they have elite defense. Um, we'll get to their match on Saturday in a bit, where they finally did concede some, but the scoring is still something to keep your eyes on. They lead the USL in scoring for the month of May by a pretty wide margin. Man, I, so. I think we all know, you know, once the, the media voting comes around for the May Player of the Month for the USL... I think it's all pretty simple who's who's probably going to win that vote so you know we'll see where it goes from there uh so when when you get two hat tricks and you score in every match in the month you're doing something obviously right. <laughs> uh so thursday charleston got a one nothing win over bethlehem friday san antonio continues its unbeaten streak now at 11 with a one nothing victory over swope park rangers uh, also tied a USL record with five consecutive road victories. Uh, guys, here's the simple question. Can San Antonio be stopped? 
Uh, Matt, do you want to take this one first, or no, should I go I'll for let it? You go and take this one first. Okay. This might not be a uh, popular opinion here. I think this is a pretty weak one seed come playoff time. I think this is a team that's built to win in the regular season. They're Chelsea. They can grind out these results. They can play it well on the counter. You know, control things pretty well. And really, really uh, take advantage of the bad teams. And then when you have some better teams, you know, they'll they'll get into their counter-attacking mode. They'll be very compact on defense. And don't get me wrong, very good defensive side. They haven't conceded more than two goals in a game this season, I don't think. And I think most of them have been one goal out or shutouts. However, with that all being said, come playoff time, say they do get a one seed or a two seed, and they go up against an Orange County or Phoenix Rising in that eight spot. I think they're a very vulnerable one seed. And in the playoffs, unlike in some other competitions, it's not a two-legged tie. It's just one game, and all you got to do is just keep it like 1-1 or nil-nil and then get it to a PK shootout, and who knows. The thing is, San Antonio, they've blown some teams out, but they generally do get these lower-scoring close wins, and I just don't know how sustainable that is come playoff time. Last year, you saw it with Sacramento Republic. They were a number one seed, and then Orange County just holds them at bay for 120 minutes and takes a PK shootout in the first round, and boom, your number one seed's gone. I think Real Monarchs are a more dangerous playoff team than San Antonio because they've shown the ability to pour in goals and defend well. But you know what? That might not be the most popular opinion. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, and then to kind of touch on your, your point there, their low margin of victory, you know, if you look at their past few matches, I mean, uh, excluding Portland Timbers too, I mean, uh, yeah, every match has been 1-0 or 0-0 draw. Um, so, yeah, just not – I mean, they're leading the, the Western Division, of course, but like you said, when it comes to playoff time, I don't know how strong they're going to be. So definitely we'll have the opportunity to win, um, but it looks like it'll probably be a low-scoring affair if they continue their ways. Yeah, I mean, it, it just comes down to, like – there's a little bit less margin for error on their part and once you get to playoffs it's just a one-off yep. so i mean all it takes is one bad moment and you're done you know it's just i don't know that's just how i see it but good on them for playing this well this is definitely their best start in their young usl history so credit where credit is due. that is true uh action on saturday we have a, a wild one in the east with ottawa getting a 5-3 win against richmond uh, FC Cincinnati had a one nothing win at, uh, against Toronto. Charlotte with a 3-1 win over Orlando. Tampa Bay and St. Louis uh, with a 1-1 tie. Uh, let's talk about this game for a little bit. Colorado Springs, a 3-3 tie against Reno. You talked about it earlier, uh, Dominic. You know, they scored, you know, Reno scores two in the first half. And we talk about this. We talked about this before. In seven halves of action, and Reno all of a sudden had a 16-0 to zero goal advantage. Yeah, over seven halves, um, starting with the 4-0 win against us. Uh, so they beat us 4-0, then they put up six, then they put up another four on Tulsa, 
and yeah, it was 2-0 to Reno at halftime with Dane Kelly getting one of those. But finally, the juggernaut uh, finally came to a little bit of a halt because Colorado Springs responded with three second-half goals. You finally see some of the vulnerabilities at the back coming back to bite them like it did early in the year. Um, two quick goals to tie it in the second half. Then Reno seemingly comes and gets a win with Antoine Hoppenot in the 85th. But then Colorado Springs punches him right back in the mouth when Jordan Burt puts it in in minute 88. And finally, Reno drops a couple points. And then the final uh, game on Saturday, Tulsa gets a 3-1 win over uh, T2. Uh, Rivas, Kaffa, and Savantison uh, with goals for Tulsa to get them right back uh, into playoff position. Uh, at the moment, uh, as we're taping this on Sunday, uh, four matches are going on on Sunday. There's the New York Red Bulls against Charleston, uh, Bethlehem Steel against uh, Harrisburg, uh, Seattle Sounders 2 is playing Sacramento, and Vancouver was playing uh, Real Monarchs. So obviously the standings are going to be a little bit skewed here at the moment uh, with those two, you know, with those two Western Conference games still in action. Uh, but at the moment, uh, San Antonio sits at the top of the Western Conference standings, 9-0-2 with 29 points. Uh, we have Real Monarchs in second at 8-1 with 24 points. Then the gap is 9 points down to third at Tulsa, 5-5 with 15. Colorado Springs sits in fourth with a 3-4-5 record and 14 points. Then you've got a group of three teams at 13. Fifth place is uh, Rio Grande. Uh, with four and three and one for 13 with a plus four goal differential. Sacramento at four, five and one with 13 with a zero goal dif- differential. And then uh, Seattle Sounders two at four, five and one with 13 points at a minus eight goal differential. Holding on to the last playoff spot in the West right now is Swope Park Rangers at four and four with 12 points with a plus two goal differential. Then you get to ninth with Phoenix four and four. Obviously, the big, huge disparity here right now is the minus four goal differential. That being the big, you know, the big four nothing loss to Reno, I think, is the the biggest factor there right now. Uh, Reno sits in tenth, right behind us at three three and three with twelve points. Uh, Vancouver in eleventh at three four and two with eleven points. Orange County in twelfth three three and one with ten points and a minus two goal differential to. Oklahoma City in 13th at 3-4-1 and one with 10 points and a minus 4 goal differential. Then rounding out the bottom of the table, LA Galaxy 2 at 2-6-2 two, two with 8 points. And at the bottom, still T2, 1-9-1 uh, one, one with 4 points. And, uh, interesting, I, I saw a piece, uh, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or if it was on uh, Facebook the other day that, you know, it looks like T2 is just going to ride this out. They're not going to try to make any changes. They're not going to try to add anything, not trying to delete anything. They're just going to work with what they've got. So if that's going to be the case, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this year shakes out for T2. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had the benefit of playing them yet. And, you know, it's possible by the time we do get T2, maybe they're not in such a funk. But... You know, maybe that's even better for us, the fact that we've got all these points without having the advantage of playing T2 yet, like some squads. 
but this is definitely a shift from their past form and we'll see if it's just a one year thing or what So at this point, we'll head into everybody's final thoughts uh, on this week and uh, what's coming ahead. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you and see what see what you think about this week. Yeah, so you know, as I said earlier, um, there's a lot of positives from this match. Um, Eric Avia, Jason Johnson, um, Sean Wright Phillips looked good. Um, everybody just seemed to uh, they're starting to look better. Um, the other thing is. Um, we're starting to see a little bit of the depth from the bench with, uh, you know, Jason Johnson. I believe what this is only like his second week starting, um, you know, and then Avia, he just recently signed. He scored a goal already. Um, so it kind of shows that, uh, you know, even though we're faced with some injuries that we didn't like with uh, Rigi and Rooney, um, we still have some valuable backup options um, that have shown us they can be successful. Dominic, your final take for the week? Yeah, great stuff, Matt. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about the experience at the match. Uh, a couple things I noticed there. The first one is that it was awesome to see the away support that Phoenix Rising brought. Uh, the crowd of just over 2,500 was a record for Los Dos. And it's apparently the third record that we've set in an away match this year for a different team's USL venue. So I guess other teams are doing a nice job advertising Bravo and Drogba, even though they aren't playing these days. But we had great away support. I would say of that number, at least 500 were Phoenix fans. And you could hear the Dale Phoenix chants going a little bit. There were certain times where you could really uh, hear the, our visiting support and see pockets of red in the stands. It was very impressive. I was expecting people to come out. I wasn't quite expecting that kind of support. So that was really cool to see. So bravo to all the fans who made the trip including um, several of my really good friends out from Phoenix. You guys are the MVPs. And then as for the match experience itself it's a cool little stadium um you know, up in the press box, we aren't treated quite the way that uh, Phoenix Rising treats its press. Uh, no water bottles and sandwiches up there. So uh, that was, you know, I was a little bit thirsty at the end of the match, but uh, really cool little stadium still right next to the StubHub Center. And if you have the chance, I would definitely recommend going. Uh, very cool venue. Kind of feels like a nice, like a little high school football stadium pretty good atmosphere kind of like a high school football stadium um you know i would assume as far as mls reserve venues go that's probably one of the better venues certainly that i've seen um so it's kind of nice and then just at the end of the day to see the ownership and many of the players signing autographs for the fans who made that trip that was also very cool to see so uh just from a fan perspective, very rewarding to see how much support we got at that away match. And hopefully we can do the same when we travel to Orange County later in the season and really show some of the other fans, hey, we're Phoenix Rising, we mean business, and we travel to support our team. Um, 
I don't think too many other USL teams do that like we do. So very cool to see. Yeah, it's great to see. Great to see the the support and the effort uh, by the fans of Phoenix Rising to head out to LA and and make the trip and 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 good on you know good on them for for helping LA Galaxy set a, set a record for for fan uh, for, yeah, for fans at the some, stadium. I want to add something interesting real quick. Kind of touch on Dominic's point about uh, you know uh, helping Los Dos with maybe some attendance with some of uh, you know Bravo Dragba stuff like that. I saw it on Twitter the other day. I don't know if it was L.A. or if it's OKC raffling off uh, signed um, Bravo jerseys and Drogba jerseys to their fans. thought that was kind of interesting, little uh, little gimmick to get people to their matches, you know. So, uh, nice. Raffling off opponents' autographed jerseys. Yeah, and it was nice <laughs> to see that, you know, the, see yeah. the Phoenix Rising people actually help them out with that, which is a, which is yeah. a really cool thing. So, so. Um, another another interesting thing that that I think if if everybody in the valley has an opportunity to take advantage of, obviously everybody knows that the Champions League final is coming up uh, on Saturday. Um, if you have the opportunity, uh, uh, there's a place on the west side here that is uh, it's hosting the hosting a, a viewing party, and uh, they're helping with uh, what happened over in Manchester this past week. Uh, if you have any opportunity to be able to get to that event, uh, please, by all means, do so. Please, please go out and help, you know, the people, uh, you know, what happened in Manchester. And we, I, I think we can all agree that, that the events that happened over there last week were very, uh, very touching and very moving. And, and you know, for, for groups here in the Valley to be putting something together and to, to be able to do something to help those fans over there, you know, please, by all means, if you have the opportunity and you're a soccer fan and you and you love the Champions League, you know, go go and see, uh, you know, go and go and uh, visit the establishment and and by all means, uh, uh, you know, help help wherever you can to 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 take care of uh, the, the people of Manchester. So, yeah, especially uh, especially because we don't have a rising game this Saturday, you know, go see some fellow fans and do it for a good cause yeah. i'll try to be there yeah. so my final thought for this week um you know piggybacking off of what you know what dominic and matthew have said you know this is obviously one of the better road efforts we've seen this season from from phoenix rising uh we saw great play in the midfield uh from matt watson and miguel tim we saw a great effort from eric avila you know getting his first start of the season in the number 10 role i can only hope that you know we can see bigger and better things from him hoping that his injury is is very minor and that that he can you know play through that and 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 help us as we move down this stretch obviously we're hitting that point of the season where every year phoenix rising slash arizona united seem to to kind of fall off in production and and these next four weeks are definitely going to be interesting games to watch you know, starting with the Open Cup match, let's see how they do and, and how they work through this Open Cup match with, with the players that they have available to them. But, you know, to, I think to, these first two matches coming out of the gate back for USL play, Oklahoma City uh, on the 6th, and then Vancouver comes into town on the 10th of, of June. These are going to be important markers to see where this team heads because obviously summertime tends to cause a lot of problems heat will be a big issue for these teams coming here and now that we're going to have a couple more matches uh 
during the summer to try to offset some of these teams coming in. I always hear about them, you know, saying that they struggle in the heat. Here's the opportunity for Phoenix Rising with an expanded roster to, you know, be able to take strong efforts, start stringing them together, and if we can string enough of those together, put ourselves in a in a very good playoff position as we move forward throughout this summer. So that's my my final thoughts for this week. Well, thank you for that, Jeff. Um, does anyone have anything to add at this point? Nope, nothing additional nope. for me. All right. Well, in that case, thank you all for listening to episode 12 of the Rising as One podcast. We'll be back next Sunday with a recap of the Open Cup and a preview for OKC and Vancouver. So until then, we're signing off. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody.